Good morning. Looking out the window just now, it seems that the summer has gone quite traditional with overcast clouds. Uh, but praise God, we are not limited by clouds. We can reach out and the Son of God can shine within our lives, whatever our circumstances. Uh, this morning, I want to look at uh, just six verses, one in particular in um, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 9. Uh, it's headed, the section is headed, Generosity Encouraged. Um, and I was really blessed as I went through this and just studied it and looked up a few scriptures. And I hope it's a, a real blessing to you too this morning. I'll just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, another day that you've given to us. And we just pray that as we uh, focus on your presence and your significance uh, over the next few minutes, uh, that you will draw near to each one of us and that we will know that we have been in your presence and that that will radiate from our lives into the lives of all those we come in contact with. We ask it because we know your word is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we just pray that it will impact our lives today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I'll just read through the the uh, half a dozen verses first and then just draw out a few from verse 8, which is the one that in particular uh, stood out to me, but the whole of the little section. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And also this, God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Well, that section starts off with two words. Words that you have uh, possibly heard from your parents, your grandparents, your school teachers, uh, friends who are giving you uh, advice. The words are, remember this. And then they go on to tell you of something significant and something that will be a blessing, something that will be helpful to you. So Paul is using that same phrase here as through the years and the of, of time, uh, the truth is still there. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You reap what you sow. If you reap trouble, you will harvest trouble. If you uh, sorry, so generously, you will uh, reap generously. 
if we're mean, then we re- we receive very little. And we need to recognize that. If we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. If we sow generously, we will re- reap generously. Remember that. When we're making decisions, remember that fact. It's the truth that's repeated many times in Scripture. It goes on in verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God wants us to be happy. He wants us to be uh, recognising that blessing people is a real way to find fulfilment. Being kind is a real way for doing the will of God. Being open is important. And, and God wants to see us cheerful as we live our lives and serve the Lord. And then verse 8, I'll put two little words in here. Because in verse 6, it says, remember this, as we've looked at. And then I've put, and also this. So I think it's asking us to remember two things. If you disagree with me, then maybe one day you'll realise I'm right. <laughs> but it says, and also this. God is able to bless you abundantly. So the two things are linked, I believe. Sowing and reaping and God being able to bless us abundantly. Remember, whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. But also remember this, God is able to bless you abundantly. And that's what he wants. We can enable his blessing by being generous. We can enable the blessing he has for us by being kind. We can increase the blessing he has for us by being obedient to the things that he's speaking into our lives and the things he's telling us to do. And it goes on that, that God's able to bless us abundantly so that, and we get this, this repeated phrase, in all things, at all times, you have, and having all that you need, you will abide in, abide, <laughs> abound in every good work. So first of all, I want to look at that first little phrase of five words. So that in all things, this is God blessing us abundantly, so that in all things, Romans 8 verse 28 talks about all things. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, <coughs> For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who? can be against us. So in Romans, Paul is saying, we know that in all things, God is works for the good of those who love him. In everything, he's doing that. And this links to the scripture, just gives it another dimension. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, God is wanted to bless us. And it's linked to our obedience, our faith, our trust in him, rather than our reliance on our own ability. He wants to bless us in all things at all times. 2 Thessalonians 3 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times 
in every way. The Lord will be with you. We can have a peace in our lives at all times. No matter what comes our way, we can trust him. Right now, as I'm recording this message, uh, I, I'm in lockdown. I'm, I'm, uh, Marjorie and I, we're, uh, we're, we're waiting just to find out if my dad, who's having a test uh, as I'm speaking, for COVID is positive or negative. If it's positive, we're just being cautious and, and staying in and cancelling a few arrangements over this, this weekend. Uh, but if it's negative, then we can go out and continue without it. But I believe that I have a peace that whatever happens, God's in control. And that peace is there at all times in every way because the Lord is with me. And when the Lord is with us, there is peace. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. In those times when difficulties come, it isn't because he's left us, it's because he's teaching us lessons. He's taking us along a route that, to mature us. Psalm 31 verse 15, it, this is a wonderful verse. Uh, and it says, My times are in your hands. What a great thing David could say. And God wants to bless us at all times. Deliver, deliver me, David says, from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Our times are in his hands. He is working all things together for good. The creator of the universe has an interest in our lives. We should be rejoicing in his goodness. Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord when things are going well. I will extol the Lord uh, when I'm struggling. I will extol the Lord when the, the whole world seems to be against me. No. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. Not just in the bad times, but in the good times, when things are going well. His praise will always be on my lips. We just need to not hold back from praising God for all that he's done. Jeremiah 14, 8. You who are the hope of Israel, its saviour in times of distress, why are you like a stranger in the land, like a traveller who stays only a night? Jeremiah was wondering why the blessing of God, that the, the one who saves in, us from distress, is so distant. And it's because of the, the, the backsliding of the people. It's because of the, uh, the, the attention going from the Lord and going upon the, the gods of of the uh, the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And Jeremiah is, is distressed because of this, but he still recognises that God is the, our saviour in times of distress. And that needs to be where our faith is, not just that things are going well, but even when God seems distant, his love is still there and we are not separated from it. Daniel 2, he changes times and seasons. That's what he does. He's God. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. We need to recognize that he is in control. He is above the governments, above the powers, above everything else. He is our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our God. 1 Chronicles 12. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 
There, there were people who understood what was happening in the times. And we need to see prophets rising up, not just to give platitudes, but to actually receive and recognize what God wants us to do and the way forward. And that to stand by those words, because we believe that when people prophesy, then it will occur and we need to look for God's answer. So, in all things, at all times, we have all that we need. Psalm 23, we know it so well. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. It doesn't say, have all your wants. I mean, I would love to have a big, nice car, but I don't need one. I have a car that takes me around. I don't need to have a mansion. I have a lovely home that I live in. And we need not to be greedy, but we need to recognise that our needs will be met by our Lord and Saviour one way or another. He supplies our needs. John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We know what he's done for us. It's Sunday morning. We recognise uh, every Sunday that God is so good to us. We meet as a congregation and I, I look forward to when that occurs again, when we can all be together. It may still be weeks or even months away, but I believe that uh, it will be a great day when we are again assembling ourselves together. But he says that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he's, that's what he's done. That's why we lack nothing, because he's opened the way to the very presence of God the Father. And through Jesus, we lack nothing, through his goodness to us. 1 Peter 2, verse 25, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to recognize he is our shepherd. We are his sheep. Sometimes it appears that we're after the boss's job. Sometimes it appears that we think that we know what's best. We don't. Only he knows what's best. And that's why we need to be communing with him, not just every Sunday, but every day. Because each day he gives us guidance and leads us the way he wants us to go. So how well is he going to meet our need? Well, probably my favourite verse uh, regarding that is Philippians 4, verse 19. And it says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He will meet all our needs, not by putting his hand in his pocket and finding a few coins, not by pulling a few carrots up and giving us something to eat, but he's going to do it according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Not just meeting our needs, but doing it in ways that establishes and strengthens our faith, where we know we can trust in him. I know I can look back over many years of God's provision being there uh, at the right time. When things have been more difficult for us, he's been closer. He's always closer at the difficult times. And I just thank God for what he's done. It helps me to, despite circumstances, to still just praise God and put my trust in him. And it goes on in verse 8 there to say, you will abound in every good word. That's what he wants us to do. Not just worshipping and praising God on a Sunday, 
but working, committing to serve him in his church in the way he wants us to go. Not being selective, but when there's a need, meeting that need. When there's a job that needs doing, that we will do it. When there's a mess on the floor, we will clear it up instead of saying, well, I didn't make the mess, so I'm not going to do it. That problem there is nothing to do with me. I've had nothing to do with that. We need to realise that when the body's together, we are all one. Maybe different jobs we do, but we are all one, and we need to make sure that all those things are done. Paul goes on in his letter to the Corinthians uh, in verse 9 and quotes from the Old Testament. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Again, it's about giving. It's not about how holy we are, how pure, how wonderful. It's about how available, how loving, how fruitful our lives are. Verse 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So more the harvest will increase. So more the crop will increase from being 30 to 60 to 100 fold, whatever it may be. We just need to be ready to give, to follow, to invest in the kingdom of God. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. We shouldn't be selective. We should be available and ready for whoever, whenever and wherever we are needed. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What a great thing. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Look it up. Read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. A tremendous verse. It's for us today to sow in order to reap tomorrow. Just turning now, before we break bread, to uh, Luke chapter 22, and from verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The symbolism to the disciples before Calvary, which this was, the Passover was a, an event in history when, as we know the story, the lamb was killed, its blood was daubed on the doorposts and the lintel, and the angel of God went throughout Egypt. And wherever there was blood, then it passed over. But where there was no blood on the doorpost of the lintel, the angel went into that home and killed the firstborn son. And throughout Egypt, the Egyptians suffered the horror of those young lives being taken. But for the people of God, who were under the blood, then no such terror affected them. We are protected 
by the Lord's blood. It's an amazing thought as we just come to communion. And Jesus said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover before I suffer. Because now as Christian believers, we are to remember the death of Jesus as the Jews remembered the Passover. He says, I tell you that I will not eat it again until it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. Sat right near Jesus was Judas Iscariot. It's an incredible contrast that despite the symbolism and the reality of who Jesus was, Judas still refused to give. He was a taker, he had his hand in the money, and that's what he was after, what was in it for him. And sadly he destroyed the friendship he had by his betrayal. As we partake of these emblems in a few moments' time, I just pray that we will feel our love for the Lord strengthened and our determination to put him and his will and his word first. That we won't be passive in our faith, but we will be active as we follow his lead. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we partake of this symbolic meal of bread and wine, that we will again realise the spiritual truth that you are our Lord, our Saviour, and your blood is a powerful symbol of your love. And we pray that as we protect these emblems, we will grow spiritually, as that is symbolic that we want to live our lives for you. We want to take you into our lives and make you part of our everyday walk. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. Amen.